We all reach points in our lives where we might look back and think about what we could have done better and where we want to go from here. Maybe we've made mistakes, maybe we've triumphed over challenge, but through it all, we've grown. Today we're talking about everything we've learned as moms, women, and partners, and how the way you see yourself is perhaps one of the most important relationships you'll ever have. This is Thirsty the Podcast, what I wish I knew then. Hi, everyone. Welcome to part three of our chat with Kat Two, who talks all about raising and being strong women on her podcast, Know Them, Be Them, Raise Them. Okay, so something else that we were talking about, uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you all face as a mom trying to raise daughters? Oh, gosh. It's hard to pick, right? <laughs> yeah. Scary. Uh, well, you know, two things that come to mind right off the bat. Um, and I think it's maybe a parenting um, parenting challenge generally. But I have one child that's particularly extroverted, uh, makes friends really easily, uh, very opinionated, and um, she she has a presence that and a spirit that um, I love and adore. And then sometimes it kind of uh, bleeds into like willfulness and. Um, you know, maybe stubbornness, maybe domineering, maybe railroading over other people's thoughts or words or, you know, and then so then there's part of me that wants to make sure she's being kind and polite and um, considerate. And then I talk, I have this dialogue in my head, well, why are you trying to make her a nice girl? Are you going to be kind of chopping her off at the ankles? Is she going to hold herself back now in the workplace? So I've been towing this line as you know, as her tweens and all the moods around that teenage years come out, I've been navigating this line of wanting to make sure I'm not raising someone who will potentially be an asshole or and not wanting to squelch this beautiful spirit and and you know let her be the feminist bold women, you know girl that she's destined to be. so that's that's been one of my struggles personally is. Like says, I know society is going to tell her, don't be bossy, don't um, don't be bitchy, all that stuff. And but I also don't want her to be a jerk, <laughs> so that's one of my struggles. Um, another one though is I have one child who's neurodiverse, and I I was grew up neurotypical and was raised in a neurotypical family, and it's so good. There's this awareness around mental health and how we all have different things that you can't see from the surface. Um, but but it's it's learning. It's I'm learning so much and I have I, I struggle with a lot of it because yeah, we're 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 figuring out as we go. Um, she's ADHD and struggles with anxiety sometimes. So there are times when I'm a type A person and I'm thinking, like we we should be there five minutes early because when you get there on time, that's late. And five minutes er- early is on time. And you know, sometimes Children with ADHD have you know, have trouble getting things done, um, and so bumping up against that and trying to figure out, okay, how much is this a kid thing, like a generalized kid executive functioning issue? How much is this a mental health issue? And how much of this is something you can't change? And and how much of it is? And that's all things that we're we're feeling out and living through and, and navigating as as time goes on. So those are probably the those were the two things that came to mind first was, um, you know, the way that 
wanting to be different than society tells us to be from a in a positive way for women and girls and but also making sure that you also you are raising daughters that are thoughtful and um compassionate and taking in other people's inputs um to to the right point you know you don't want them to live to make other people happy but you also don't want them to be have a complete disregard and lack of understanding around the, their uh, their decisions and their choices and that they have consequences. And then with my other daughter, it's uh, it's kind of around the mental health uh, neurodiversity aspect of things. Yeah, Kat, similar to that, my oldest um, definitely struggles with anxiety and it's, it's a battle. Like it, it's hard and mm. noticing more that a lot of hers is people pleasing. Like she's great in school. You know, she's a model student. She does so well. Her teachers always love her. She has plenty of friends. Like all those things look really good on the outside. But if her teacher says one thing to her that might be a little bit critical, she harbors that all day long. And by the time I get her at the end of the day, she is in meltdown mode. Like she can't handle because at 10 Mm. o'clock her teacher said something to her because she wants to be perfect or do the right things or whatever. So it's like you want – I want her to feel like she can – be who she is and be more comfortable and not feel like she needs to fit in in a certain way. And I think that, again, she's similar age to your daughter. So it's kind of hitting that point too of like fitting Mm -hmm. in and the social things. And I worry so much for her of being able to just like be who she is. And then my other daughter, my younger daughter, is like the most independent, cool kid. Like I like she's just so interesting and she's so like she is who she is. But then she will want to like be more like her sister. She's I see her trying to change her or compare herself. Mm. And I'm like, but you strip that away. Like this kid has it going on. Like she just kind of marches to her own beat and it's so cool to watch. But then her older sister, I think, is jealous of her younger sister's ability to be independent. Yes. It's like a lot of dynamic happening there yes. where neither one of them seems to be happy. I really think that's the theme. Like, And it's so hard to watch that because I feel like we often are raised to not feel happy about ourselves in certain ways. And I see it starting mm. so young where they're like so much comparing. And I'm like, you all are awesome and amazing and talented and cool yes. and whatever. But we're already starting in our household from reasons I don't understand of this, like, well, I can't do this like her. And I'm like, well, you're three years younger. And I'm going to rain on her parade because I can see that she's like independently doing something that makes her happy. So I'm going to make her feel bad. Like it is tough. Like it is tough yes. to, again, want them to feel empowered and strong and whatever, but also that ability to like, I don't know how you get them to be able to lift each other up as well, because that that's in theory what we should be doing in our homes. And it's not happening mm-hmm. right now. And it's so hard. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> and I you you touched on something that I, I completely resonate with that, where there's two and they they will um accommodate or override each other in ways that just shows you they're really considering the other person kind of far too much. There's a lot of comparison mm-hmm. and a lot of um, if I do this, they'll get mad or, um, how come she can do this and I can't, and she's better at this. So I'm not going to try it or, yes. you know, that's for her because I'm not as good as she is. It's, it's challenging, like you said. And I don't, I don't know. I feel like there should be a parenting handbook on siblings. Maybe there is, and I just haven't come across it, but 
It's, I mean, um, I have a I have yeah. a son in the mix too, and he just could care less. Like none of this. So it is very interesting. It is in my household. It is completely the girls. Like he doesn't care if he can read as well as everyone else or whatever. He just shows up, does his work. What he does not care at all. He's just living in the house. Do I have snacks? Do I have food? <laughs> We're great. And the girls, it's just this <laughs> nitpicky competitiveness that I cannot get a handle on. And I have a sister, so I guess I grew up with that too. Like, I don't remember it being like this, but it probably was, if we're going to be honest. <laughs> Having siblings so close, like you mentioned that they're about three years apart, Laura, your daughters. <laughs> the girls are, um, yep. And then, of course, Heather, yours are twins. Um, but yeah, my daughters are 14 months apart. Um, so there are times when I feel like, oh, I, I think they almost consider each other like like twins. Um, but I, I wonder if... There's something about our media that feeds into some of this um, comparison and accommodation of other girls, how other girls show up, the comparisons, et cetera. I haven't really dug into this, but the the reason, I, I, to your point about your son just seems blissfully unaware, like he's the eye of the storm. I wonder if there's something about girl shows or girl books that really reinforces friendship in, in an amazing way, et cetera, et cetera. But is there also kind of an overlay or a consequence where it means that there and there's also comparisons and also um, a level of kind of I, I, the word accommodation keeps or consideration keeps coming into mind, um, but factoring in how you stack up, how, how someone else is going to feel um, in relation to your actions. I, the reason I mentioned this too is we've been, we kind of binge watched um, Never Have I Ever uh, a while back, all of the oh, seasons together. Show. And I know it's a little old for them, but I also, we're, we're, a, we're a family that talks about everything. So I felt comfortable knowing that we could talk through, you know, different scenarios and good decisions and bad decisions. And what would you have done in that situation? But, um, but they're, the three main characters are super tight and sometimes they don't think about their friends' feelings. Sometimes they do. So, you know, I kind of wonder, is there messaging that boys don't get just be by virtue of the stories that they are more likely to read or see or hear that girls get that kind of feeds into this, the almost larger circle of what they feel they have to um think about when they're judging themselves, if they're judging themselves. Does that make sense? Um, you're making me uh, – I'm going down a rabbit hole of thought because, I mean, part of what I think about – like I know I felt this way and I know my sisters feel this way and I know like other women in my life feel this way of that women's behavior and appearance and the way we move around the world is so critiqued in a way mm. that I don't know the – I don't know. I just, I don't know that men go through that. Like mm -hmm. how we look, how much we weigh, what we do, our tone, our like all kinds of things get critiqued so heavily. I feel yeah. like it does start when you're young. I mean, it's like things like, oh, she's a boy's girl. Mm. I, I have never heard the phrase, he's a girl's boy. Like, I, you know, like a boy that – I've never heard that term ever. I haven't But you either. hear that whole thing like from girls, oh, I'm not friends with girls. They're they're terrible. Oh. Like you hear that a lot, right? <laughs> um, or like it's it's good to be like, you know, that kind of girl that only hangs out with boys or, you know, that mm. is 
you know, in a way, and and there's not anything wrong with that, but like it, it is not so great if it's because you're rejecting something because society told you to. But I, I do wonder with that whole like sibling, I don't know, rivalry if that's the right word, but like I know like even my kids are only seven. They think a lot about how they act and they think about who's cool and what's good and what's bad. And it's mm-hmm. not based on things that actually matter. <laughs> right. You know, it, yeah. it's like that stuff that's superficial and, you know, like we all remember school being popular, what makes you cool, what makes you not mm-hmm. cool. It's all that stuff. And like I do feel like girls, you know, it's just – we all know. It, it's So much is put on you. Even like things like safety. Like we all know. Mm. Like here's how mm-hmm. to not get attacked mm-hmm. instead of the advice being <laughs> attackers don't do don't it. Attack. You know, it, yeah. it's like it's on you. It's on yeah. you to like don't get too drunk. Don't wear that short skirt. And it's like mm, – Actually, right. like a woman should be able to walk down the street naked and not like, get attacked. Yeah, absolutely. Actually. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just things like that. Like it doesn't matter what it is. Like it falls on the woman to be responsible for it or to get critiqued. And, you know, you can't win. Mm. And I, I don't know. Like I, I part of me want – like I know for me, I feel like I experience it all day, every day, my entire life. Um I mean, it is hard to see that happening to our daughters and, and know there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, the the idea that they are, and all of us are in this culture that that has a double standard, you know, is, is so unsettling, just even as adults, but then raising daughters, it's really um, kind of shines a light even more on how, how troublesome and challenging that is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I get melancholy actually about it at times because, I mean, it's just the truth. Women go through are more at risk for a lot of different things happening, and I know that I don't know. I just think about my daughter, and it's like I don't want that to happen to her, but I yeah. also know there's only so much I can do. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, I haven't figured that out because, like, what are you going to do? You can only do your best. Um, life is not fair. Bad things are going to happen to our kids, you know. They're, you know, it's going to happen to our our not girls, our not girl <laughs> children as well. Right, right. Um, but like, I do like, I, you know, speaking from the perspective of someone who is a woman, I identify as a woman, and um, you know, I, I don't know. I just think about some of the things I've gone through in my life, and it makes me really melancholy thinking about my daughter because my daughter is she has this big. She's a little birdie. I call her birdie because she's mm-hmm. like the tiniest, petite little girl. But she will rip you a new one. <laughs> I, I have this joke. She's either going to be a CEO or a mob boss because she has that attitude. She has this big, bold, confident spirit. And she, you know what I love about her? She did this school project lately. It said, what do you like about yourself or, or something? And she said, I am smart and I'm good at math. You know, like <laughs> she didn't great. Yeah, you know, like, and when she talks about herself, it's never about her appearance. It's about things she loves to do or things mm-hmm. she's interested in or, mm-hmm. you know, and I, it makes me kind of melancholy because, like, I love that that's where she's – like, that's where we all start, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, somehow it – you know, we talked about this earlier, like, looking at pictures of ourselves in our adult life. I look a lot different now than I did a few years ago, you know, mm-hmm. and it's because I'm refinding myself. Yeah. And so it just makes you like wonder what happens in life to strip yeah. it away. Yeah. Yeah. I had a I spoke with a like body image professor uh for for a podcast episode and and it really is interesting how the science shows the, the those dips in 
uh, confidence and kind of the added uh, importance of what other people think in girls, like you know, it just comes. It, it's it's almost it's almost like an inevitability uh, mm-hmm. because of what society essentially kind of uh, what our daughters are steeped in. It's it's hard to and like you said, you don't control. You can only control so much of it. So I try to always give those positive reinforcements and mm-hmm. focus on their, um, you know, inter- internal qualities, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess it just goes to show that some, it's, it's no failing through no failing of our, our efforts, um, that they might feel this way to some extent because it's, um, it's, it's in the ads that they see. It's in the shows that they watch. Everyone is a certain weight for the most part. Um, and yeah. if they're overweight, they're usually not the romantic interest. They're the funny friend, you know, things like that, where our, our culture just dictates what uh, is pretty and likable in so many ways for women, especially. I remember yeah. talking with, you know, kind of on the body image front with a f- uh, my sister about this. And she, we were talking about why are there no male um, body positive models? You know, there's you you see women of all sizes and then you don't see men you see kind of average men or they're buff but they're you don't really see men who are um more full bodied and and we kind of were talking back and forth and what we basically landed on was because it doesn't matter for men because our society has kind of made it so that even the quote unquote less attractive guy gets the model girlfriend if if they are wealthy enough or funny enough, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't see the opposite happening. Like that, what movie was that? That Jack Black was in it and Shallow Hal. Oh, so I'm yeah. dating myself. But, you know, it's cute, whatever story about, you know, how he can only see this woman as a model because he was put under a spell where he sees their inner beauty. <laughs> but in actuality, yeah. she was um, more full-bodied. But yeah, it um, yeah, it, it is. It's hard. It's hard for for girls, and it's hard. It's it's a challenge. But um, you know, I think just like our kids are feeling so open and comfortable with uh, showing up authentically from a gender and sexual orientation perspective, I think that, or I'm optimistic that moms like you and hopefully myself, by by thinking about these issues, we're opening the door to an environment where our daughters and and kids will grow up to have a stronger sense of awareness where maybe they'll be less, um, you know, they'll be more impervious or more resilient to all of the messaging and negativity they might get. I think we're more prepared to model, you know, to be a better model for that than I feel like what I grew up with. Um, Not bad, but like it was just different. Like our parents didn't think about it in those ways. And I think we're more aware of like how we act and how we operate. And am I going to put the swimsuit on and go to the beach with my kids and feel comfortable, even though maybe I'm not comfortable, but like I'm going to do it because it's so Mm -hmm. important. Or yes, do I want a donut on Sunday morning when I take my kids? Probably not. I don't like starting my day with like a super like, ugh, like I don't want that donut, but I get the donut because my kids are watching to see what I'm going 
going to pick out. And I do not want them to remember Mm -hmm. that mom took us for donuts on Sunday mornings and she never got one for herself. She just sat there and drank her coffee. Like I want them to be like, mom loved the pistachio donuts and those were her favorite. And that's what she got. Like, because they watch so closely with what we Mm. do. And I'm not going to sit there and say no to it all, even though like, well, I'm trying to eat a certain way or I'm doing this. Like I know what I'm doing for myself and it's important. But the other things are important, too, with how I show up for them and what I'm modeling for them. Yeah. That goes so deep. Like something that I actually – so I'm a photographer for fun. Well, I mean I do it at work. But also, you know, I'm just always shooting pictures. You know what's what's interesting that you're making me think of? Without fail, if I go somewhere where, you know, in the olden days, pre-COVID, where if there were a lot of people there and there were moms – Without fail, there would be at least a few moms who are like, oh, I don't I don't want my picture taken. I don't want to be in the picture. Mm-hmm. And it was 100%. You know, and like you, you have more than every right to not have your picture taken, 100%. But they were saying it because they didn't like how they looked. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, something that I have gotten real uh, – I read an article once and it's like a principle for my life now. Take the picture. Get in that picture. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're in sweatpants and a bun because one day that's all your kids are going to have. And they're going to – they're not going to look and be like, ugh, about their mom. They're going to be like, oh, there's my mom hugging me. There's my <laughs> mom holding me. I, I remember that moment with my mom. Get in that picture. Get in the picture. Stop worrying about what you look like Mm. because you're giving up something that is so much more important, you know, because of a superficial thing. Like, and guess what? Not once has a dad told me they don't want to be in a picture. They do (laughs) not give a you know what, (laughs) you know, like they're, they don't care. And like, to be honest, I think that's something that more women should take on. Don't care about that. You know, I, I don't know. Oh, that's 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 such a good example of um, the the different kind of gender approaches and and the way we think about ourselves. But I love that. Take the picture. You know, I I can't think of a single time I didn't think my mother was beautiful in a photo. You know, and and she was not one to shy away because she didn't. You know, it just wasn't in her nature. She grew up in the Philippines, so she was kind of you know came from a different background. But yeah, I I think you're right. To so the people. Uh, especially in family photos, I think. But the the people who matter most are not going to care and will never see you as anything short of magnificent. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is all leading up to what I think is probably a good convo to close on. What do you – and I like to think about this stuff too. But what do you know now that you wish you knew when you were our daughter's age? Hmm. Would you like me to start? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll I'll jump in with this likability – notion or likable. I I wish I was told that it was okay for people to not like you. I thought it was kind of a a gauge of success in a way that everyone liked me, that I was not necessarily popular, but someone that um, was seen as nice. And and that, so what it meant was when, when I was around people who justifiably I should not have been accommodating towards. Maybe they were um, kind of verbally abusive or especially in relationships. It would show up in ways where I thought, oh, but wait, I, you don't like or you're, I, I don't like how you're treating me, but I still want you to like me. Uh, so I think if I had, if I was in a place or, or had received messaging earlier that um, it's okay for people to not like you, it would have made me show up differently in relationships. And also, I wouldn't have been so worried about trying new things. I was kind of a one of those 
you know, great in school, type A, perfectionist people. And so I, I did what I knew what I would be good at because I was worried that I would do something that, oh, would maybe make me feel like uh, people would like me less. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where I came from. You're hitting on something that's my favorite. Um, I've kind of taken, taken it on as like almost, I don't know, I think about the story all the time. So I have a big personality. I've been called bossy, that I exaggerate. I'm dramatic. I'm aggressive. I've been called those things many times throughout my life. And while, yes, maybe I need to tone it down a bit at times, I've never heard that said to a man. And I have full mm. confidence that at times it, it's sexism at play. There's mm. a story, mm-hmm. um, a book called Bossy Pants that Tina Fey wrote oh, yeah. about her time mm-hmm. you know, growing up and things she's learned. And she tells a story in there. It's well known. You can Google it if you want to read more about it. Um, that has really stuck with me. And I, I've taken this on for myself, especially since I work in a creative field. And she talks about when she and Amy Poehler joined the SNL cast and they were about to do their first show reading, you know, where it's just the cast sits in a room and they do a, a reading of the, of the ideas. And Amy Poehler was sitting at a table with Seth Meyers and they were going back and forth about some ridiculous bit. And apparently it was kind of vulgar, dirty and vulgar. <laughs> And Jimmy Fallon was sitting uh, at a table nearby and said, ugh, that's gross. That's disgusting. That's not ladylike. And then Tina Fey said, and I can kind of picture this, Amy Poehler went black in the eyes, whipped <laughs> around and said, excuse my French, what I'm about to say. She said, I don't fucking care if you like it. And then she turned back around and kept laughing at this funny little bit that she thoroughly enjoyed. And, um, you know, I've really taken that to heart because I think that whole likability thing, like when you put everything through the lens of do people like this? Do they like Mm -hmm. me? Am I Mm -hmm. acceptable? Where are you? You know, then you are just like totally uh, criticized out of that scenario. And so I think about that a lot. Like, what do I want to do? And and like really trying to push myself to – if other people don't like it. That's yeah. fine. That's none of my business. I'm still going to do what I think is right. You mm. know, and, I, and it sounds so simple, but for some reason, it, I think it's hard for women to take that to heart. So I yes. love that. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing that I wish that I knew when I was my daughter's age, I think I wish I knew that I had power over my own life. I, I know like in my brain, I you know, it's kind of funny, like society says, you can be whoever you want to be, but that's not true. It sounds good, you know, mm. but a lot of times like we're held back in careers, we're, we're hold ba- held back by religion or beliefs about ourselves, mm-hmm. all those mm-hmm. things. Um, so if you really – so the truth is you you can be who you want to be, but there's a, there's more work you got to do to be able to do that, um, you know, as much as you can, barring yeah. systemic issues. But um, I, I really wish I knew that I could say no to things that didn't feel right mm. or even simply just not what I wanted for my life. I think I – I had this whole idea that there was a right way to live. There's a right answer to find. And, you know, like those choices were prescribed to me. And somehow I didn't realize, you know what? You actually don't have to get married. You don't have to do this. You don't have to live Mm. here. You don't, you know, you don't have to – all these things that you're taught you have to be and do and and participate in. Yeah. I, I don't think I really realized in my heart that I could say no to those things and I could choose more for myself what I wanted, that there were more options than I realized. Hmm. You know, uh, something that was making me think about was 
I was talking to a, a, a therapist and, and she was mentioning how she was, did all the like AP courses in high school and all that stuff. And, um, and one of the things in her clients that she sees now is exactly what you were saying. Like, why did I do everything I thought I was supposed to do? Why didn't any, why, I wish I knew then to think more about what did I want in all of this and, and be told like, you don't have to do this. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it just made me think, I want to make sure I tell my daughters mm -hmm. that while if you want these things, it's okay because it's maybe what society is telling you you need to look successful if you want to get into college um, or, you know, if you want a house and two kids by the time you're 30, fine. But if you don't, that's fine too, as long as you're yeah. thoughtful and intentional about why you want it and then go for it. Yeah. Because you're right. I don't think we get the okay from from people or from messaging um, that an alternative is acceptable. It's kind of seen as I think deviant is, go is going a long way, but just sad. Like, why would you? Why wouldn't you want yeah. this? <laughs> yeah, it's less than. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I noticed. So, kind of as I'm reflecting, um, recently my kids made me open up the box of stuff that came from my parents' house. So it's like my childhood random things that my mom had packed up years ago and I never opened. And so I'm going through it. And my middle school yearbooks are in there. And I'm looking at what people wrote. And so many of the comments are like, you're nice, but you're so quiet. You should smile more. And like comments like that. And like, I, and that's who I, <laughs> I'm naturally, I am a quieter person. I'm going to like, you all notice it here. Like I'm not the loudest person or the most talkative person. Like I have things to say, but I'm not, I'm not going to be the loudest person in the room. That's just how I'm <laughs> wired. But all of those comments always made me feel so bad about who I was, but like, we can't all be the loudest people in the room. Like that doesn't work. Um, it's okay to be however, whoever you are and not feel bad about it. But I spent years feeling bad or like, oh, am I not smiling? But I like, I'm not a naturally smiling mm. person. I'm probably more of like a resting bitch face person. But that phrase didn't exist when I was in middle <laughs> school. So it was just, you should smile more. Like I remember at one point in middle school, we had to like you would like write compliments about people on something. We were like passing it around the table and everybody wrote something. And I think most of my things were about either speaking or smiling for me. And I'm, and it was like, you're nice, but you should do this, oh, be gosh. this, be like this. And it was just, it, you know, middle school is hard enough. You don't really need that. Um, so like I want my yeah. kids to really just know, like whoever, however you are, like that's okay because everybody fits together in their own way. Like, Heather and I balance mm. each other well. She's the louder part of our duo and it works. But like my boss is the same way. My boss is going to over talk me in meetings left and right like because he's a chatty person. And that balances for me because I'm the opposite and I know that. And the funny thing is people try and tell you how you should be as if I have a problem with it. Like I get that mm. a lot too. Mm -hmm. And it's like mm. – no, I'm happy with how I am and how I operate. Like, I know y'all are going to talk over me and that's okay. Like, because when I have something to say, I'm going to say it. Like, I know this. I know this about myself and I am content with it. It makes other people uncomfortable. I think I've realized as I've gotten older. Oh, yeah. But when you're young, you don't see it that way. You don't understand that. But like now I understand that. It's like it, it triggers something in somebody else that I'm not the way that I, they think I should be or how they think is acceptable or whatever. And it's like, but right. I'm content yeah. with who I am. Oh, you know, we, that, we all were like, yeah, 
<laughs> right. So, two things. Um, you know how you're saying you and your boss, like you need every, having people who talk a lot or super type A want the center of attention. You can't have everyone like be like that. You guys have probably heard this story, but for some reason when I heard it, it was mind blowing to me. But someone actually did an experience with chickens and a scientist was determining kind of roosters that seemed more aggressive, that had an attitude of uh, taking charge and leading the hen house and, and you know, eating food first and et cetera, clucking the loudest. I'm not exactly sure all of the scientific criteria they were gauged on, but taking those roosters and putting them all in a pen at the same time, and they slashed each other up. Uh, but then if you, if you could moderate it Violent. to where- Yes, I know. <laughs> Who knew this was a podcast was so, so sexy and crazy. Um, but, you know, it just goes to show that when you can, that you, that kind of dynamic, we aren't all de- destined to be uh, center of attention, extroverts, um, you know, I want the spotlight type people. Like, that's actually not healthy for all of us to be that way. Our society needs every shade of the spectrum and every, you know, everywhere from quiet to loud for it to function most successfully and most optimally. Uh, I I actually, now I'm remembering, I think it was at the beginning of a book called Quiet, um, kind of making the case for why we can't all be type A loud. Um, But I I really like, Laura, that you identified the uh, triggering other people. Mm -hmm. You're fine with it. And somehow other people think you're not. That's huge. I, I felt that, w- that way through divorce. I felt that way when I was dating people that weren't right for me, but I just was having fun. And they're like, why would you want to date someone that doesn't have this and this and doesn't do this? I'm like, well, you know, it's, um, it, it brings to mind that term emotional responsibility and something I just heard relatively recently, but want to make sure my kids are informed about. But this idea, like how you feel about me is not my problem. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I need to learn more about that. But it's great that you've acknowledged that and are aware of it and and know that it's not because you feel bad for me. I'm not going to try to make you feel better um, if I'm happy with myself. <laughs> like It's not my job yeah. to make you happy when I'm already happy. Yeah, someone said that to me once and that was one of that life, those life-changing piece of advice, the thing that you mentioned, Kat. What other people think of me is none of my business. Mm. And I didn't understand that at first, but now I'm like, oh, yeah, that is the truth. Um, Because it really, like, sometimes we're so conditioned to um, bend for other people Mm. that at a certain point you bend over backwards on yourself, right? And and you're not there anymore. Um, But getting – I think in my – advanced age. I'm now very comfortable with making if other people are uncomfortable and and I'm not and I don't mean being an asshole or being a jerk, but like if I'm just being myself or even speaking the truth. That was a big mm-hmm. thing in relationships and Laura knows because we tell each other everything. There've been a few a couple people we dated. One was recent that we dated and then we tried to be friends and he was pushing the envelope with me and I was very respectful and nice. said, no, we're just friends. You know, like I was mm. setting a boundary that we were not going to be friends with benefits. We we're just going to be friends. I want us to have a good, healthy relationship. I said it all very respectfully. He got so flipping mad at me that now we aren't friends. 
Oh, gosh. You know, it's like things like that. It's like I'm making you uncomfortable, Mm. you know, but I'm just – this is just my truth. I'm just telling Mm -hmm. the truth. I'm setting a boundary and you're used to me bending Mm. to whatever you think is makes you comfortable. And I think we do that all the time, like asking yourself, am I like – is the problem here that I'm making you uncomfortable? Mm. That's not a good enough reason. Yeah, you know? and I, I think that's such a good like thing to learn because I think a lot of times you don't even realizing, like I'll see someone's uncomfortable with something I'm saying, and, and your immediate reaction is like, oh, you know, and like while sometimes that is the case, you know, other times if you're just like telling the truth, and if they don't like it, that's kind of their problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I said that in a messy way. <laughs> All that to say plus plus two to Laura. <laughs> Laura, what you said. Um, Well, is there anything else that y'all wanted to bring up today about daughters, mothers? I don't know. This this has it's been really fun to talk with both of you, and I think you know we kind of come from a similar space of parenting and wanting to be thoughtful and intentional, um, but also figuring it out and uh, knowing that we're not perfect and growing. It's it's refreshing. Yeah, I, I I have a number of friends like that, but it's also nice to know that it's not just your friends that there's other parents out there that are feeling this way. So yeah, thank you for this opportunity. No, thank you so much for coming here. I love learning from y'all because funnily, while we have a lot of shared experiences, we had very different perspectives. And I, I, every time I listen to someone else tell their story, I learn something. So thank y'all for that. Thank you guys. All right. Well, monster conversation. We had to break it up into uh, multiple parts. So, but we'll uh, we'll be getting back to uh, funny dating stories here pretty soon, I am sure. But thank you so much, Kat, for joining us. Everyone, please listen to her podcast. Um, and I think that that's going to be good. We're going to be posting about on social media um, so you can find her. Uh, I think that's it. Great. Thanks, all. Thank you. Bye. Still thirsty? Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and all your favorite podcasting platforms. Because sometimes life leaves you wanting just a little bit more.